0: That's kind of our year in a nutshell. You know, we were 3-5 and five at one point. People wrote us off, uh, and we just kept fighting. So good teams do, so tight brothers do, and, you know, I got no regrets from this year. Kind of Thanks, guys. Welcome to 49ers Access, my name is Sterling Bennett and this is episode number 70 of the podcast and today we are going to sadly react to the NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams, including what led to that fourth quarter collapse at SoFi Stadium last night, the good, the bad, and why the Niners offense really didn't work, and of course, to end today's show, we are going to discuss Jimmy Garoppolo's final, likely final send-off as a member of the 49ers. But first, I want to say that I apologize for there being no podcast the last week or so. Two weeks or so, I had COVID. Um, It took me about six rounds, but I ended up knocking that thing out. We're feeling much better now, so we're back. I didn't get to celebrate the Packers' win with you. Didn't even get to preview this game with you, but I'm back. I'm healthy again. Voice is a little raspy. I'm not going to lie there, but we're feeling much better. Uh, everyone's healthy. We're feeling good. Uh, I am now negative for COVID. So we're back and we have to talk about this game because I'm sure like many of you you watched that Bengals Kansas City Chiefs game and you said, "Oh wow, the Chiefs lost. We have a chance. We can actually beat the Bengals. We beat him earlier this year. Like we can do this things. Our eyes got bright. Uh, I was driving back from San Francisco from work at 95-7 the game, flooring it to watch this Niner game. Uh, and I, the Ambry Thomas three and out. Jimmy misses Kittle high early in that game. But it's okay. Like There's plenty of time left. And there's so many emotions that go through your head, right? You know, from last week, beating Green Bay, Frozen Tundra, uh, of Lambeau Field arguably ending and spoiling the last dance for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, right? Even beating Dallas, you know, at, at Jerry's World, right? And having a dominant defensive performance against those guys. And even beating the Rams in Week 18. Like, there's so many emotions. It's a roller coaster of emotions that go through your head each week as you win or you lose. But in the playoffs, it's do or die. Right, and somehow, some way, we're still alive, right? You know, Jordan Willis and the amazing special teams play against Green Bay, Hufanga's touchdown on the blocked punt, Jimmy Ward's block kick in Green Bay, like everything, it, it, it has taken a total team effort to win every single game, not only this year, but especially the last three uh, against the Rams and Dallas and Green Bay. And so going into this game, I 100% understood this idea of we're a team of destiny, or you know fans being overly confident. Like I I understood it. We beat the Rams six times in a row. We know the ties between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. There's history there, and recent history that being three years of history has tilted and leaned heavily toward favoring Kyle Shanahan. And that's wins with Nick Mullins, that's wins with Jimmy G, like, didn't matter the quarterback, didn't matter the personnel, Shanahan was beating really good Rams teams, or at least leading the charge against really good Rams teams that have superstars all over the field, and they have for the last three seasons, and, you know, it's... Working in radio, you hear fans all week, we got this in the bag, the Rams stinks, we're invading SoFi Stadium. And for the most part, the faithful did. 65% roughly. Uh, I saw numbers that were near 70%. Like, there was a heavy, heavy faithful presence at SoFi Stadium yesterday. And it's impressive, you know? And it's something that every fan should be proud of. That the way this year went... That three and five, we know the story, right? Three and five, on our heels. Some people were saying bench Jimmy, fire Shanahan, fire Demeco Ryan's, and you know, it, that's why the loss is so tough, right? Because of what this year was, what it meant, just from where we came from to where we are now, it just it felt like we were doing something special, and not to say that it wasn't special. Because if you would have told me, and maybe even asked yourself the question, are the Niners really contenders? I think, and and I myself said no, that we are not Super Bowl contenders. I said that earlier on in the year. I said it even as we're beating teams in the second half of the season. There was kind of this lingering feeling, and I'm not trying to say I was right all along. That's not what this is. But there was always this feeling of like, we're not meant to be here. We're not supposed to beat Dallas in Dallas knock off Dak Prescott and and the high-powered Dallas offense of CeeDee Lamb. And when we shut them down to beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau with Devontae Adams after the first drive where they marched up the field against us, just we were not supposed to win that game. And the fact that we did, to me, and where we came from, where we are now, how it ended, this is a season I'll never forget. And, yeah, there's heartbreak in the moment, losing to the Rams, and it sucks, man, it, there is something to say about the perseverance, the resilience of this team, you know, the, the, the Giants from baseball, the SF Giants, their hashtag was, you know, hashtag resilient all all year last year, and, you know, I think whether it was on purpose or not, purpose, (laughs) whether it was on purpose or not, uh, the giant uh, the, the Niners, excuse me kind of stole that mentality you know we weren't the best team all year but we beat teams we weren't supposed to win uh and and we lost games we were supposed to win and and won games we were supposed to lose right there was always this kind of weird inconsistency and it somehow all culminated week 18 where we beat the rams after being down 17 to 3 and it just it just seemed like this team was going to pull something magical off and I think we did but I want to go back to where I was pre-game right you know the Bengals beat the Chiefs were sitting there like oh my god our, our eyes are wide open there's sparkles in our eyes like we, we can beat the Rams beat them six times in a row we can beat the Bengals beat them earlier last year or earlier this year and it's like we can do this thing and, and the fans are there it's right all over SoFi Stadium they're pumping in crowd noise because the Niner fans are making so much noise that stadium is shaking. There's history now at that stadium with Ambry Thomas's pick, an amazing comeback. Like, there, there was, there was optimism there, and it was reasonable confidence. But then, I'm sitting there at work and I'm like, ah, oh, like there's this weird feeling. Like, like is this gonna be the time where? the bow breaks, and we don't beat the Rams, like, and, and there's a reason why I, I don't, I don't speak too much of, like, Niners are gonna win, they're gonna win this game, we're gonna go to SoFi Stadium, we're gonna take over the Rams, your billion dollar arena, and we're gonna shove it down their throat, like, I don't don't like that stuff, because it takes, it, it almost unconsciously takes away from the Rams, and the respect they deserve, the Rams beat Tom Brady, like, that's a really good Bucks team they beat. And you kudos to Matthew Stafford. They won the NFC West after the Cardinals kind of ran that division for a long time. They knocked off the Cardinals. Like, and they didn't just knock off the Cardinals. I mean, they, you know, they kicked Cardinals butts in. Like, they destroyed them. And so, like, I didn't like this idea of, like, we got this in the bag. And it's like, look, like, the Rams deserve respect. And on, and on Sunday... NFC Championship game, they showed why they won the NFC West. They showed why they were going to beat us. 20-17 to 17 was the final score. The Niner season's over. And it stinks. It's emotional, right? It, it really is emotional. And, again, there was kind of this feeling of Team of Destiny. Of, wow, like, we were not supposed to beat Dallas or Green Bay or the Rams in Week 18. Like, we're not supposed to be here, so why can't it be us? That was my mentality of why not us? We're in this thing now. Anything can happen to a certain degree. Why can't it be us? Who says it can't be us? The media? Who cares? Who cares what ESPN or Fox Sports or Info Network says? We can win. We have proven people wrong all year long. We can do this thing. And before I get into the game itself and and what happened... There is no part of me that is ashamed of this team this year faltering where we did. Yeah, it sucks. It, it was a winnable game, and we'll get to it. We should have won last night. We, I think, we kind of gave that game away. And that's not taking away from the Rams. They they played a good game. And they stuffed our run. They dropped two touchdowns. <laughs> they dropped the They dropped the interception that would have likely sealed the game. Like, they had missed opportunities as well. And I don't want to take that away from them. But the Niners, with all that stuff, had a chance to win this game and they didn't, which makes it almost 10 times worse. Now, this isn't, you know, Giants, NFC Championship game, Kyle Williams fumble stuff, or, you know, Super Bowl loss stuff. But this one, I think because of the journey we had to take, it would have made the ride even more special. And it did make the ride more special which is why not being able to kind of tie this thing off in a nice bow hurts a lot more, which is why you see fans on Twitter or people angry and, you know, being rude to the team or the players. Like, people are going there saying, F Jimmy, F Tart." And it's just, it's wrong. Like, don't do that stuff. Like, you can have your opinion, you can feel a certain way, you can be mad, because all that stuff is rooted in wanting to win. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. Nothing. Like, I want to win. You want to win. Like, the one thing I want to see in my lifetime is a Niner Super Bowl victory. I've seen us lose two of them. I've seen us lose to Seattle in Seattle. The, the Sherman and Crabtree game. You know, I, I've seen us blow two two Super Bowls pretty much late in the game. And I saw us lose last night. And it's heartbreaking every single time. It's not fun. It, it, it really does It's moments like this where you realize why you love your team, why you're a fan of the team, because for me, uh, and I'm sure many of you out there, this one felt different, not because it meant more, but because this was Jimmy Garoppolo's swan song. Whether you like him or not, this is what it was. This team made a conscious effort that Jimmy is going to be our starting quarterback this year. We're going to sign a bunch of one-year vets back, Tart's back, k back, many other guys as well, and we're going to ride this thing out. Despite the injuries, Jimmy, you're still our guy. Despite being 3-5, and five, Jimmy, you're still our guy. Lance is chomping at the bits. The people on Twitter are calling for Shanahan to get fired and Ryan's and Jimmy to get benched. Like, everything, including a large portion of this fan base, was against us, against this team, for a fairly large portion of the year frustration was building in the fan base of why isn't Lance playing the national media is calling for Lance and this isn't a you know a Lance and Jimmy debate here what this is is me looking at the game and saying this to me was special because this was the last ride I I played Jimmy's final words in his post game press conference to start today's show and you can tell, if you watched it, that there were tears in his eyes, holding back tears. That there was an emotional kind of uh, culmination to the year of, like, any game could be his last. You check talked to him week 18 saying, hey man, like, this could be our last game together. And it was like, yeah, yeah, it could. But it wasn't. They took us on two playoff wins. Like and, and I talked about how if you missed a playoff, this season is kind of a failure. And by all means, they didn't just take us to the playoffs. They beat two teams they were not supposed to beat. They took us on a magical, fun run that just didn't have the legs to carry throughout the entirety of the year. And does that stink? Yeah, it really does. It really does stink. But I am... Forever grateful for this team, what they did, what they fought through. Jimmy, Kyle Shanahan, Mecca Ryans, they did a great job all year getting things back on track, battling through adversity. But unfortunately last night, <laughs> which is where we have to start, right? We have to get into the game itself and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, what went wrong, what the Rams did extremely well. Why couldn't we, the Niners, be heading to the Super Bowl to play the Cincinnati Bengals who we have would have had a really good chance to win and again that's what makes it tough but the Niners lost last night 20 to 17 the Niners are now 3 and 2 with a 10 plus point fourth quarter lead in the playoffs the rest of the league this one's going to hurt is 23 and o when you have a 10 plus point lead in the playoffs those two losses, of course, were last night and in 2019 in the Super Bowl. Not a fun stat to read. Not a fun stat to read, but I guess on the, the plus side, the Niners now do lead the NFL in conference title game appearances in the Super Bowl era with 17. That is the most. It's over the Steelers who have had an amazing run with Roethlisberger and Tomlin and Bill Cower. And all those guys there. But uh, Last Night Hurt. The stats you read are painful to read. They draw a very distinct emotion out of you. You've called frustration, right? Of It's it's right there! And you're pulling your hair out. You're sweating in your seat. You're standing up. You're screaming and yelling at your TV. Or if you're at the game, you're just wondering, like, what is going on? Why can't we complete this? And, you know, it, it really sucks because... It makes you go back and look at history, right? What you know, what was there? the The success we had in the eighties and nineties, what could have been in the early two thousands, uh, what could have been with the Harbaugh era, and now what could have been with Shanahan? And again, to read you some more stats you don't want to hear. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has been a part of, and maybe isn't entirely at fault because no one person is entirely at fault for any postseason collapse but Kyle Shanahan is part of the biggest the largest blown lead in Super Bowl history he's part of the second biggest blown lead in Super Bowl history and is part of the biggest fourth quarter blown lead in NFC championship game history again not, not statue one a year but stats that are true and they hurt to hear. And there's plenty more I'll get to, right, about Jimmy and this offense of what really happened. But you kind of got to start at the top, right? You, you you start at the top and you trickle your way down to the last guy. And for Kyle Shanahan, I want to say this was, this was a tough year. You know, 2020 was awful. We know the story. Talked about it so many times. And to start the year off this way, 2-0, and then falling to 3-5 and and being on the outside looking in and just having to literally claw your way back into the playoffs with the final couple minutes of overtime. Uh, it just, it took all of us. It takes everyone to, to have a season like this. And Shanahan deserves a lot of credit for riding the ship. Um, from questions of, is he a genius? Heck, I called him a genius loser. And some of that came out last night. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But I want to give him credit before I kind of you know pick him apart a little bit here, because he's a heck of a head coach, and I, I despite the frustrations of, of you know what I don't like about him and I do like about him, I I'm very happy he's our head coach. They're the schemes and plays that he draws up are second to none, almost in the league. Maybe, maybe Andy Reid and the enemy, but they got a different team there in Kansas City, um, but. You know, when you're a part of three big losses like this and your name, your face is kind of imprinted on the minds of NFL fans, it's hard to erase that stain. And it seems like every time he gets a chance to erase that stain, it just keeps getting darker and darker and kind of soaking in even more. And, of course, you know, that's why Lance is here, right? Lance is supposed to be this, and hopefully is, this Mahomes-esque guy that can kind of you know, make up for the small things, right? The third down plays, extending the pocket and plays, you know, being able to escape pressure. Like, there are the reasons why he's here, and I'm super excited for that stuff. I can't wait to see it. But when your name is in the dictionary, it's next to genius loser, or I guess in this case, blown fourth quarter leads in the playoffs, it's not fun. And, you know, it. I think it's very telling I don't know what it is exactly, though, but I think it's very telling as to Shanahan himself. Like, I criticized him more so than most people um, for the blown Super Bowl lead. I said, this is on Shanahan more than anybody. You know, the play calling I thought was a mistake. It didn't run the ball very well um, late in that fourth quarter. We didn't really run it at all in that game. And last night was pretty similar because at a certain point in this game, it was after the Kittle touchdown. I'm sure like many of you, I was like, oh my god, like, we haven't seen that in a while. It feels really good. Like, we're up 17 to, you know, I um, forgot what it was at that point. It just feels like it's all a blur, right? <laughs> it's all a blur in our head. But, you know, you, you're you up 17 going into the fourth quarter. Excuse me. You're up by 10 going into the fourth quarter. 17 is 7. And the Rams just bounce right back, right, you know. Cup has a couple big catches, OBJ has a couple big catches, and you're sitting there like, okay, like, let's put this thing in the coffin. You know, like, we got like six, seven minutes left here. Like, let's go down, let's score a touchdown, get some points up, and let's put the kill shot in these guys. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that one bit. And it's really frustrating because at one point in this game, the Rams had no challenges and no timeouts left with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter no timeouts and no challenges and I want to point to this kind of being the comparison here I'm not trying to say that McVay is better than Shanahan because he beat him six times in a row but the difference here is McVay was like look I'm gonna burn timeouts because I can't afford to be second and 15 I'm gonna you know throw a challenge because I need to get this ball back for my team you know the Niners are starting to you know get momentum I gotta do something here and he threw two challenges. He blew three timeouts pretty much in the third quarter. Like McVeigh was giving everything he had to win this game, and he wasn't even playing the game. And they were losing. like there was there was desperation in McVeigh on his face, like, look, I cannot let us lose this game. I'm going to do everything in my might to make sure we at least have a chance to win this game. And I'm not I'm not saying Shanahan doesn't necessarily have that, but it just seems like he lets the game come to him at times when you need to be aggressive. It's like in baseball, right? You know, there's bases loaded, there's one out, you need one run to tie the game. Are you gonna watch two fastballs down the play because you didn't get the right pitch? Or are you gonna, you know, first pitch swing and second pitch swing and get a fly ball and tie the game up, right? Like there are certain times... And I know it's baseball football, but stick with me here. There are certain times you have to be aggressive. And Shanahan last night got conservative. He really did. You know, there's one play that sticks out in particular. And I know people want to point to, well, Tart dropped the interception. And he did. He did. And it sucks. Because that likely would have at least given us a chance to put three more points on the board. At least. And it would have taken off hopefully three to four minutes. But... You know, the game didn't come down to Tarts interception. It really didn't. To me, heck, it didn't even come down to the final drive of the game. It really didn't. Uh, To me, this came down to third and two on, I believe it was. It was near midfield, and you know the play by now. It's the Trent Williams motion play. Uh, Had I I done a podcast last week, I would have told you I don't like that play that much. It's cool. It's but it's a gimmick play. It's a gimmick play that doesn't really work very well if you execute it incorrectly. And again, I'm no head coach. I'm no offensive coordinator. But um, that play in that situation doesn't help. It's third and two. You want to give your ball, the ball, to your best offensive player, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Debo, whether it's Ayuk. Either one of those three guys would have been okay but what does Kyle do? Kyle calls the Trent Williams motion play. I don't know what it's called, but I'm going to call the Trent Williams motion play. He calls it and he does a misdirection to Kyle Juszczyk who gets nothing on third and two. And that right there is the moment I knew you were going to lose the game. That's when the tide changed right there. You have the Rams on their heels, it's third and two. A first down keeps that drive alive. It gets you close to field goal territory. And it gives you a new set of downs for you to waste two to three more minutes off the clock. And you just you go with use check. And I love Juice. How can you not love Juice? He's the best fullback in the league. He's we are one of the only teams that utilize a fullback like him, and he's very important to this running game. But that's the guy you give the ball to on arguably one of the biggest plays of the game? Is your fullback? Not Debo Samuel who had the second best receiver stats all year when compared to Cooper Cup. A guy who you leaned on all season long to win you games. A guy who scored a touchdown earlier in the game on basically a screen pass. A guy who has literally carried the offense all season long. Who has you know, skyrocketed into, if not the, he's a top 3, top 5 receiver in the NFL. Who has been your main offensive weapon. A guy who you said countless times all year, hey, lead us for a first down. A guy who just one week ago, on 3rd and 7, you handed the ball off to in Green Bay to get a first down to clinch to get a first down to get Robbie Golden field goal range. That's the same guy you don't hand the ball off to. Instead, you hand it off to your fullback, and you put your star left tackle in motion, who has a bum ankle. Now, granted, he did destroy Leonard Floyd, but you don't even follow your left tackle. You do misdirection up the gut of the defense, who have been stuffing your run attack all game long. That's the guy you hand the ball off to. In fact, the Niners, when they have followed Trent Williams on those, the the Trent Williams motion play, the only time it's been successful has been one out of three times. That one time, they actually followed Trent Williams. They tried it twice against Green Bay. It worked once. They tried it once last night, and they did the same thing that didn't work in Green Bay. This, again, is an example of Shanahan getting too cute. This is the... I'm going to try to outsmart my opposition. When you don't have to outsmart anybody. Just give it to your best player. It's two yards. You trusted this same guy in Debo Samuel to get you seven last week with the game on the line. In the snow where he could have easily slipped on the ground and got you nothing. Who had a touchdown earlier? Who had a big gain earlier in the game? Like, Debo Samuel didn't touch the ball. His last touch came on 2nd and 10 with 12 minutes and 42 seconds left in the 4th quarter. It was a 12-yard completion. After that, 0 targets, 0 touches. The Niners never scored again. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if Debo doesn't touch the ball, you're not going to score, but there's a reason why Cooper Cup had 11 catches last night. The Rams knew, to win this game, we have to give it to our best offensive player. The Niners said, eh, we can do without him. And that doesn't make any sense. Debo has the most rushing touchdowns of any receiver in NFL history for a single season, and you did not trust him to get two yards? Two yards. Now, I don't know if maybe his shoulder was hurting earlier, but if you can play and you're out there and you're still taking hits and you're fielding kicks and you're playing receiver in the third quarter... Why are you not out there in the biggest play of the game? Like, this reminds me very much of, in the Super Bowl, Kittle being used as an extra blocker. It's very similar of, like, why isn't your best player out there to catch a ball? In this instance, why isn't he out there with the ball in his hands, game on the line? Even if Debo gets you one yard, QB sneak, Jimmy gets you one, the drive is still going right now. Like, and I'm not saying that 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 play clinched the game because there was more opportunities, but the momentum shifted entirely. Entirely. Like, things changed immensely after that. The Rams had all momentum. Uh, They went, like, 97 yards. Like, 90 yards against our defense. Cup had a couple big catches. OBJ was great last night. Like, he looked like, you know, the star receiver he hadn't been the last four seasons. A guy who I said, I don't want on this team. Like... The the offense last night was pretty much non-existent. And it's, it's decisions like not getting Debo the ball that cost you. It really does cost you. And I want to read you some stats again because it further proves my point. The Niners offense scored zero touchdowns in the fourth quarter during the playoffs this year. Zero. Now I can forgive the Packers game. It's snowing. You know, both offenses were struggling. Rodgers was bad in that game outside of one drive. Like, I can forgive the Packers game. But looking at the Dallas Cowboy game in this game, there's no excuse. There's no excuse as to why we didn't score an offensive touchdown. There were four offensive touchdowns in a three-game span. That is the lowest for the Niners all year. We scored four offensive touchdowns. Against the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Rams. And we had none against the Packers. None. We averaged 25, a little over 25 points per game during the regular season. We averaged 17.6 points during the playoffs. The Niners, in their regular season, had a 41.2 scoring percentage. In the playoffs, a 34.5. This playoff run, this current playoff run that was magical and amazing and I'm very grateful for, the Niners only had, and I'll read it off here, they had 20 second-half points in three games. That's one touchdown against Dallas. That's six points, two field goals against Green Bay, and seven points against the Rams. Second-half points was just 20. And it's only two touchdowns. Like, that's that's not going to cut it. And that's everybody involved. It's Mitchell and Jimmy and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and Shanahan and Jennings and the offensive line. There's many fingers to point there, right? But I'm going to point one big one and go, it doesn't matter who's at fault. That can't happen. If you want to win games against a high-powered offense like Dallas and, you know, Rodgers and Devontae, you can maybe sneak past teams like that because they don't have playoff experience or you're playing in the snow and it limits what the offense can do. But if you're playing in LA, a, a team you beat six times in a row that has a chip on their shoulder that feels like they should have beat you in Week 18 and knocked you out of the playoffs, well, you just can't do that. Matthew Stafford had almost 350 yards last night. Almost 350. He had 337 yards. He averaged 7.5 yards per attempt and he had two touchdowns. Two. What did our offense do last night? Nothing. Jimmy had 232 yards, two touchdowns. Elijah Mitchell was non existent and we'll get to him in a minute. But like our, our offense was stagnant. And I'll read you the stats here the Rams had 25 first downs, we had 16. They had 17 passing first downs. We had 13. Here's a big one. They had five rushing first downs. Not many, but we had one. We had one rushing first down. One. They outgained us by over 110 yards. They had 76 plays. We had 50. We had 50. We had the exact same amount of drives. They just ran the ball more. They had the the ball in their hands more. They had the ball 11 minutes more than us last night. They played Rams football. We did not play 49er football last night. Mamioko said, in a game where you needed an A-plus effort, the Niners gave a C. And that's true. Not to say maybe effort's the wrong word there, but performance. You need an A-plus performance and you went out there and you gave me a C. It's not going to cut it. And you can argue, well, that's who the Niners have been all year. They play up and down. That's just the way it goes. And they played up the last two games against Dallas and Green Bay, and they played down against the Rams. And, you know, you got to ride the wave, right? To quote the Oakland A's, uh, you know, their motto, ride the wave, right? And and the wave came crashing down last night when it mattered most for a multitude of reasons. Drop interceptions. You know, you had the final drive of the game. But to me, you know, that Williams play, the Williams in motion play, was the play in my head that I said, that's that's the turning point in this game. At that moment, we lost that game. But it wasn't just that, because the Niners could not run the ball all game. And credit goes to the Rams, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, the rest of that Rams defense, they even said it. They stacked the box against us and said, Beats with Jimmy. And I didn't think Jimmy played bad, by all means, outside of the fourth quarter. He was pretty good. He had two touchdowns. He looked fine. There are some plays there where he said, you know, was waiting for that Jimmy throw, and he had a couple late in the game, and we'll get to him, but I thought Jimmy was fine last night. He wasn't amazing, but he wasn't bad. He was fine. He he looked like Jimmy. But here's the bigger issue. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question, and I'm going to answer it for you too. We know who Jimmy is. We know how the offense runs with Jimmy, right? You run the ball, you establish the run, you work out a play action, you get guys like Kittle and Dio and Ayuk open that way, Jimmy can work around the 3rd and four, third and 5s, right? Well, if you can't establish the run, Jimmy's strengths are pretty much erased. They're rendered useless. Last night, San Francisco, coming into this game, 23-1, since the start of 2019, when they ran the ball at least 30 times 23 and 1, they had 19 rushing attempts last night. 19. The magic number for Elijah Mitchell was 15, right? When they had 15 runs, they're pretty close to undefeated. He had 11. And that's because the Rams did a great job. They're blitzing through the A gaps and the B gaps filling every single hole, eliminating rushing lanes up the middle. They did a great job last night. The Niners averaged 2.5 yards per carry, and they had one rushing first down. One. Elijah Mitchell, 11 carries for 20 yards. Mitchell averaged more yards after contact per rushing attempt for two yards than he averaged in general. He averaged 1.8 yards per attempt last night. 1.8. You cannot win with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, likely, in most cases, when your running game doesn't work. All the talk of Shanahan's running scheme is the best in the league, and by far it is top five, top two. We know how good the running game is with Shanahan at the helm. It's amazing. It's been great all year long. But last night, whether due to Mitchell not having a good game himself, not giving the ball to Debo, you can't win that way with Jimmy as your quarterback. So all the talk of it's Jimmy's fault, and he plays a part in it by far, I would point my finger at the running game last night. Mitchell, Shanahan, Debo, whoever was in charge or had the ball in their hand, and again, credit goes to the Rams too. They let this team down last night. Because then it makes and forces Jimmy, who, again, we know why they picked Lance for games like this, right? For moments like this. When the running game doesn't work. But the, here's the thing. We still have Jimmy last night, okay? And you need the running game to work. And I thought Jimmy played his butt off for three quarters. He had two touchdowns. Had us a ten point lead. He had two touchdowns. Over two hundred yards. He looked good. He looked fine, right? I do not place a fourth quarter collapse entirely on Jimmy. And I don't play on the, or I don't put it on the running game either. But the running game was non-existent last night, and we had escaped three quarters with Jimmy leading the way. But at a certain point, you gotta buy some time, right? Like, that's what makes not giving Debo the ball on third and two more inexcusable because you have to have a killer instinct there. I'm not going to be like, oh, they should have gone for it on fourth down. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is you wouldn't even need the fourth down. It's third and two. Debo can't buy you two yards? Like, that again, there's no killer instinct there. There's no, let's put this game away now. It's, Let's try something. If it doesn't work, we'll do something else. No, no, no. You do your best play. And your best play all year has been give the ball to Debo. And unfortunately, what happens? Well, the Rams offense, which is a really good offense, that can sling it. They got explosive receivers left and right. And they got a third, you know, third string tight end that we can't even stop. And great game to him. Higgy went out early. They didn't have their tight end number two. I don't even know his name. <laughs> I don't even know his name. He, he had a great game against us. He was really good. Really good against us. His name was Kendall Blanton. He had five receptions, 57 yards, and 11.4 yards per reception. Just... The Rams beat us last night. And it wasn't because necessarily they were the best team on the field. We just did not have the killer instinct. Matthew Stafford who, again, is a good quarterback. Top 10 quarterback in the league. Beat Brady last week. Beat Kyler Murray. NFC West champion. His first time ever going to the playoffs since, like, what, 2011, whatever it was. He's won three playoff games. They're going to the Super Bowl. Kudos to them. Matthew Stafford last night. After San Francisco took a 17-7 lead in the third quarter, which bled into the fourth quarter, 14-17, 159 yards, and one touchdown, Jimmy after the Niners took a 17-7 to lead. He went 3-9 of nine for 30 yards and one interception. I mean, INT desperation, right? It's, you're trying to keep drive alive and get something out of it, right? Like, the INT is what it is. But outside of that, he wasn't great. He almost threw a pick to Ramsey. He had one batted down earlier, which was almost a pick. Like, there are things to go, God, Jimmy, like, what are we doing, man? Like, you're faltering in big moments again. And like, that stuff can't happen in the NFC Championship game. But people will point to that and go, look how bad Jimmy played. I want to turn it around and say, look how bad the defense played. Now you can say, they gave up 20 points. That's not a lot. We should have scored 24, 27 points in that game. No doubt about it. But when your defense gives up 14 receptions for almost 160 yards and a touchdown, pretty much basically in the fourth quarter alone, and Cooper Cup has 11 receptions for 142 yards and 2 touchdowns, and OBJ has 9 catches for 113 yards and averages 12.6 yards per catch. You cannot win that way. Emmanuel Mosey was bad last night. He was really bad. Amory Thomas blew a few coverages, and I'm not going to pick on each guy individually because, you know, there are schemes, there are miscommunications, there are things that just happen. And one guy may look bad and they may not be in coverage. But the Rams dropped two touchdowns. Like, Cup dropped one. I don't even know. Skronic, I think, is his name. He dropped one. Like, we, we, we can't slow down Cooper Cup. And again, it goes back to this idea of, game on the line, who gets the ball? Your best player. The Rams said, game on the line, who's getting the ball? Eh, Cooper Cup, OBJ. And we said, we'll take Kyle Juszczyk. And it's not a knock-on use check, but it goes back to this idea of the Niners do not need superstars. They have them with Debo and Kittle. But every single time the game's on the line, in the most important moments, they'll do it for 17 weeks, right? They'll do it uh, in the the divisional game against the Packers. But they won't do it in the NFC Championship game on 3rd and 2. But the Rams will say, it's 3rd and 15. Hey, Cup, you're getting the ball. I can't tell you how many times I watched OBJ get seven yards for free because Mosley's playing so far off the guy. And I'm not blaming Mosley entirely. There are things that happen. But people want to point to Jimmy had a bad fourth quarter, and he did. But so did the defense. You gave up. You gave up over 100 or 250 yards to two receivers for 20 catches and two touchdowns. OBJ and Cup averaged 12.6 and 12.9 yards per reception last night. But it's Jimmy's fault. No. There were many areas to point to last night. And we'll get to Jimmy. He wasn't great. He wasn't great in that fourth quarter. He's part of that collapse, by far. But there's more to point to than just Jimmy. This is an all-encompassing loss. I'm not trying to be a Jimmy stan... But the defense was not great last night. They had one pick because the tip ball in the end zone. Great. We got that. Cool. Fantastic job by Ward. But the running game was bad. The defense fell apart late. Jimmy fell apart late. It's an all-encompassing loss. And it stinks. And we all want someone to point fingers at, right? We've always wanted that as a fan base. 2019, who we pointed fingers at. Last night, it was everybody. Shanahan, Jimmy... Mosley, Tart, Ward, Thomas, everybody, everybody deserved blame last night. And now we're sitting here tearing each other apart and all whatnot. But like, look, someone had to lose. (laughs) It just sucks that it's us. You know, it really does suck that it's us. And going back to the defense, third down conversions. Our offense wasn't great. 33% of the time. Like that, that that was our percentage, thirty three percent. That means sixty six point whatever it is. Of the time, we were not getting a first down on third down. That's not nine or football, but that goes back to the run game being non existent. If you can't run the ball, you're in non manageable third down or or you know third and long situations. And we know Jimmy. We know what he is. He's likely not going to get that for you. He may sometimes. But, likelier than not, he's not going to. That <laughs> didn't make any sense how I said that, but <laughs> you get my point. He's likely not going to hit it for you. And that's why the running game, was it's so, it's so important for a Jimmy-led offense. And it let him down last night. It, it let us down last night. It, you know, and, and again, that goes from top to bottom. But the Rams, on the flip side, 11 for 18, 61%. The Rams were killing us on third downs. We, we would get in third down almost every single drive. It was like, first down, okay, here's two yards. Second down, here's three yards. It's third and five. And they hit like a 17-yard catch or a 15-yard catch to cup or OBJ. Like, we, we were giving them easy, small pockets to hit on the defense. Like, game on the line, who are they going to cup? And we don't guard him. Right? Like, there's, like, no way. Like, K1 Williams got put in a freaking spin cycle near the red zone last night with with Cup. One-on-one. He ran right by him. You know, he just ran right by the guy. He was like, I don't know what happened. Like, dude, you need help? Like, you know what's coming. It's gonna go to Cup. And I love K1. But you, like, you know what's coming. Yet you do not guard this man. And that's the frustrating things. Because it all culminates to, again, everyone looking for someone to blame. Like There were some quarterback pressures there last night. Ibukon had a big sack. Bosa had a couple sacks. And Bosa, I thought he had a great game last night. Bosa now has the third most sacks in six playoff games NFL history with eight. He's behind Richard Dent, who has nine and a half, and Lamar Woodley, who has ten. Nick Bosa now also holds the San Francisco 49er record for sacks in the playoffs. And he's done it in almost half the games that Charles Haley had seven and a half in. Like, Nick Bosa was great. He's been great. He's come up big time over and over and over again. But again, when you're getting pressure and you're hitting Stafford, they hit Stafford a lot last night. But, like, the pass coverage let us down. The running game let us down. Jimmy let us down. Shanahan's non... For whatever reason, his non-aggressive play calling with the game on the line where you can put a team away let us down last night. And it stinks. It really stinks because it spoils what was a very fun and impressive season. And I, I'm not trying to be super negative about things because there was a lot of good last night. Kittle had a big catch. you cut a few big catches. You know, Debo had a couple, you know, he had one touchdown. You know, the offensive line was good through three quarters. No sacks allowed, but Jimmy was under pressure a lot in that fourth quarter. A lot. In fact, uh, Jimmy last night, they pressured him seven of his nine dropbacks in the fourth quarter. A 77% pressure rate. In those seven completions, seven attempts, uh, Jimmy was two of seven with the pick when pressured. That's what happens when you got Brunskill and Compton playing right tackle and Lakin Tomlinson, who hasn't been his best the last few weeks, and you got Trent Wayne with a bad ankle. You know, it's it, I, I I commend those guys for going out there. Compton was written off as should have been cut in the offseason. And he filled in great for McGlinchy all year. He had his struggles here and there, but but was looking like a black hole over the right side of the offensive line. He stepped up big time. Big time. Trent Williams, kudos going out there with the bum ankle, man. High ankle sprain, probably going to need surgery. Like, you fought, and that's so commendable. You were great all year. The highest-graded player in the NFL. Left tackle, not even a quarterback or receiver. Lincoln Tomlinson didn't miss a game this year. Alex Mack was money all year, and Brunskill, who... I don't know if they wanted Banks to start this year, but he held it down for, I don't know, what what, what was it, 20-plus games this year. He had his struggles, too, like Compton did, but when you lose your right tackle, it's hard to do what they did. And, like, kudos. Like, I'm happy to have those guys back next year, and that I was not going to say that, you know, week one. It was like, oh, they got Brunskill. It's the weakest part of the offensive line, and at certain times they were the best. Sometimes they were the worst, more often than not. But their worst was not the worst in the league. Like, they gave us a chance every game. Every game they gave us a chance, most likely. And it stinks. And, you know, again, going back to Jimmy. Like, the Rams pressured Jimmy four of his 22 dropbacks in the first quarter. When we had a chance to put them away. And then when they got momentum, they said, okay, we're bringing the blitz. Our offensive line wore wore down. Jimmy got a little rattled. You know, got got a little frizzle and started running around and forcing things. And that's what happens. That's what a good team does. And I'm not saying we, we weren't a good team, but look at what the Rams did. They did just enough to stay alive. And when they saw their moment, they attacked. They attacked. They blitzed. They got pressure. They did everything in their might to make sure they were going to clinch that win last night, which is the exact opposite of what the Niners did. The Niners got coy and timid, the Rams got aggressive, and they attacked. And that's the difference in a winner and a loser in a game like this. That was the exact same thing two years ago in the playoffs, with nine minutes left. And it's the exact same that happened last night against the Rams. And it puts a nail in the coffin to what was a a hard-to-watch, a fun-to-see, a an abysmal, yet somehow insanely, I don't even know how to describe the year, but just a roller coaster ride. And it put a nail into the coffin of a season. It, and it also, unfortunately, put the nail in the coffin of what seems to be Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure in San Francisco. And, again, so many things going to the loss last night. I'm trying to be as level-headed as I can be for as emotional as loss is. But it, it sucks because Jimmy's a good guy. I don't know him personally, but after everything he's gone through, the injuries, the the trade rumors, this fan base part of it turned on him. And some of it rightfully so. But it was never, there was never pride in Jimmy Garoppolo this year, it seemed like, for a large portion of the fan base. And as we likely say goodbye to him, I would say I'm proud to have called Jimmy a 49er. I'm proud to have called him my quarterback since 2017 for four years, technically five seasons, I guess, or part of five seasons. He's been through ups and downs, and he's always had his head up. Listen to how Kittle and Debo and the rest of the guys talk about him. There's a mutual respect, not just between him and, and his, his teammates, but his head coaches too. Shanahan last night said, look, I love Jimmy. And not to say I love Jimmy, but there's a part of me as a fan that loves Jimmy Garoppolo for what he did for us. This organization was in the dumps. Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, Jay York was a freaking disaster of an owner. And Shanahan's in his first year with Lynch trying to prove themselves and kind of rebuild this organization to prominence again. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a huge part of that. A huge part of that. Five wins in a row in 2017, an awful, awful injury in 2018. 2019, a Super Bowl run that ends in tragedy. And in 2020, COVID, the fires, we know the story. In 2021, he's healthy again. And we go, <laughs> we're 10 minutes away from another Super Bowl appearance. And if you want to say, well, they won in spite of Jimmy. I'll say no, they won with Jimmy. Not because of Jimmy, but they won with Jimmy. And winning is the most important thing you can ever do in sports. Win. Win. The Ravens don't look at Trent Dilfer and go, well, we don't have a ring, we, we won despite Dilfer. No, they won with Trent Dilfer. Just like the Colts won with Manning, and the Packers won with Rodgers. Sure, is Jimmy Manning and Rodgers? No. But what he was, was a constant. He was a form of consistency when on the field. When you saw him under center, there maybe there was some nervousness. But there was this idea and belief that every single time he was on that field, we had a chance to win. Every single game-winning drive, we had a chance to go win that game. Was there nervousness? Yes. Was there worry of the dumb Jimmy throw? Yes, there was. But for myself, there was always this underlying confidence of he's a winner and he's going to somehow pull this out. And I think a large portion of the fan base feels that way as well. Some may hate him. Some may love him. i probably fall into the latter of those categories, but I think the one thing we should all have for Jimmy is respect. He didn't complain once. He didn't like the outcome sometimes. He didn't like drafting Trey Lance to replace him. But what did he do? He faced it head-on, and he worked hard. And he fended off the number 3 overall pick all year and led this team to an NFC Championship game. Not many quarterbacks can say they did that. Not many guys this year who are better than Jimmy can say they even made the playoffs. Where was Lamar Jackson? Where was Rodgers? Where was Josh Allen? A lot of better quarterbacks didn't even make the playoffs. And where were we? Sitting there, 10 minutes to go, hoping to fend it off. And we didn't do it. We didn't. And it stings and it sucks. But that's the nature of the beast. And the nature of the beast is that that was likely Jimmy's last game. The last time we see porn star Jimmy in and that, in that chin and that smile. And you can tell. He knew it too. And it sucks. I don't want to get too emotional. I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. But... That game meant a lot for someone who maybe found a little similar of myself with Jimmy Garoppolo, who just wants to work hard in life, no matter what comes his way, whether you know good or bad. Wants to put his head down and win. And that was the identity of this Niners team. Put your head down and win. And that's, that's the culture that Jimmy Garoppolo helped establish here in San Francisco. And with all that said, it's been a heck of a season. Heck of a run. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast all year. Being patient with me as I battled COVID for a week. <laughs> and thanks for coming back every single episode. Through the adversity of the year, you guys didn't give in, you guys didn't give up. And you kept coming back for more Ford Matter Access podcasts. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm... I'm very much appreciative of what you guys have given me this year as a podcast host, as a part of this fan base. You guys are awesome. And as we go into the next few weeks, you'll get a few more podcasts, a season in review, a, a, an off-season preview, and then we'll gear up for a, a, an interesting off-season ahead as what's to come. But to keep up with all that stuff, you're going to want to follow us on social media, Instagram at 49ers.access, Twitter at 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing all offseason. What does the future hold for Jimmy G, Jaquiski Tart, K1 Williams? Who are we going to sign this year? Is Debo going to get that extension? So many things, important things are coming ahead, and you are not going to want to miss a thing. Leave a like, subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends about this podcast, and until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and this has been Ford Manner Access Podcast. Stay faithful.